Welcome to Chronicle Headlines. I'm your host, John McGowan. We've got another news roundup today. Uh, and my first guest is going to be talking about a really important issue. Uh, this is safety on campus. Can you please introduce yourself? Hi, John. This is Amina. Uh, I'm a reporter at the Columbia Chronicle. And Amina, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. This is uh, this is your first appearance on like my tenure on the podcast. Is that correct? Yeah, I've been here before, but since you started, no, this is my first time. Awesome. That's very exciting. I want to I want to start with this story. Uh, this story within the story. You have this little like anecdote at the beginning about this girl who. Uh, I believe she was waiting for a train and, you know, this guy came and sat down next to her and, you know, obviously he's a creep and she has to like run and find a classmate of hers to stand by just to like, you know, not not be alone with this guy. Um, what what should somebody do in that situation? Uh, yeah, um, the story that the article starts with is uh, Ariana Turner. Uh, she's a sophomore photography major here at Columbia, and uh, at the station, um, a middle-aged guy approached her and made her really uncomfortable, started talking about marrying her, and she had to lie about her age of being 16. At the time, she was 19, uh, and the guy proceeded to say that it was no issue um, and implied that he did have relationships with minors. Um, right. And then uh, proceeded to touch her, um, and she had to find her coworker. And uh, then the guy stopped. And unfortunately, many women end up in situations like this, and many of them don't end, you know, as lucky as Turner's did. Um, and I spoke to Cynthia Schumann. Um, She's a commander in the Office of Campus uh, Safety and Security. And she shared like multiple uh, tips, but the main three is to... To stay informed, uh, remember what you should do in this situation, and know know what to do, correct? Yep, yep, that's the one. Uh, And basically, a lot of them involve like... Uh, understanding what's your surrounding, being in the group, uh, and knowing uh, which um, sources are available to you uh, on on campus. Like we have the blue light system on campus. We have um, uh, many safety resources on the Columbia app. uh, And we also have the escort program that starts working at 6 p.m around campus you mentioned uh at the end of the article there's also a uh there's a class on self-defense kick ass right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah um unfortunately for the rest of the semester uh they stopped uh because it's about to be over but (laughs) they uh, they are resuming next semester uh so um the college suggests uh that people uh participate in those self-defense classes because they're taught by uh, martial arts professionals and they teach self-defense, you know, techniques. But if uh, students do get uh, in situations, uh, for example, like robberies, college suggests to just, 
give up your items and then report stolen things because that's the safest option. Totally. Yeah, it seems, um, and I hope students are, are taking that kick-ass class. I've, I've brought it up a couple times in our, in our News and Brief podcast. Um, it seems really useful. Uh, I would definitely consider taking it. But um, going back to those, those tips that uh, campus security told you about, it seems like the biggest push is just for uh, like, like just being like prepared and being knowledgeable about what you could expect and what you should do in that situation. Would you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, uh, you cannot be prepared for every single situation in life. But I feel like the biggest um, part of uh, staying safe is uh, preparing yourself, uh, knowing as much as you can, and uh, you know, notifying your close ones uh, where you are, what you're doing, uh, and trying to stay aware of your surroundings. And that's the best you can do. Right, right, right. And what would you say are is we've had a couple articles like this. I think even a couple this semester, what would you say is the importance of just, I mean, maybe this is an obvious question, but the importance of writing stuff like this and, and getting this knowledge out to students? Um, I think, uh, again, because uh, a lot of safety comes in prevention. Uh, and I think repeating this information uh, could be something really important and it should be like a general knowledge of all the safety measurements our campus takes and uh, steps to take if um, this unfortunate events happen to you. Uh, and I feel like the more we talk about it, the more normalized it becomes and it potentially could save some people from horrible situations. Um, and um, in my article, um, I talk about how um, if things like this happen to someone, that they need to know exactly what to do. And that is to call 911, try to remember your assaulter's features as best as you can, and ask people around you to stay for um, evidence, as well as notifying college to keep others safe and, um, you know, uh, uh, for college possibly to cooperate with police with some evidence like video cameras on the street. So in that situation, a person would not panic and they would know exactly what I should do. Right. Totally. Um, and I appreciate that very, like, succinct, like, step by step, because that really is the most important thing is just getting this knowledge out, like, as effectively as possible. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, I guess one last thing I want to bring up is uh, this is maybe my own like personal PSA, but um, obviously Chicago, the city can be a very dangerous place, but uh, you mentioned a statistic in the article um, and it's, you know, it's like horrifying. It's an average of, I think, 26% of women on college campuses uh, are sexually assaulted in some way. And um, I guess I just want to make clear and maybe you can help me that uh, a lot of that, I'd bet a good portion of that is in dorms, at campus parties. Like, uh, there's there's another fact out there, which I wish I had solid uh, statistics on, is it's usually somebody you know, right? And so I think uh, 
I guess another thing to push is just be vigilant and always, like, always be prepared, even if it's a, a space just beyond, like, walking alone in the city at night, right? I don't uh, specifically talk where um, the sexual assaults happen in, in, in the college, but I think as a woman, um, you just have to be prepared right, totally. for, for things to happen all the time. And I'm a woman myself, and sometimes it's... Um, there's, there's no time you can relax, to be honest, even when you are um, at a friendly event, you know, covering your drink, you know, having a nail polish that tests drugs. Those are all things you have to be aware of constantly. And uh, my uh, article is first and foremost, you know, it's uh, targeted for women because uh, we do experience um this a lot more frequently yeah no it's i mean it's it's pretty bad and i and i appreciate you coming on and talking about it because it's i think it's i mean like i like we've said before it's something that everybody just needs to be aware of um i think that's about it uh is there anything else about this story or just about the topic in general that you feel is important to add um i just um wish um we didn't have to talk about this. I wish we lived in a world where um, women could safely, or, or anyone, walk at night, uh, safely drink at parties, safely talk to strangers, but we don't. And this is why it's important to talk about this. And these tips might save someone. And I really hope people stay aware of their surroundings and um, you know, if we can keep horrible people away from us, at least we can try to save ourselves. And if you do end up in this situation, please um, don't stay quiet. Find it in yourself to share and, uh, you know, call for justice. I agree completely. Um Man, I wish we could have ended on a more like positive topic, but I guess there really isn't a way to do that on this on this segment. But, Unfortunately. Yeah. Well, you know, listen, Alina, thank you so much for coming on and talking about this. And uh, I guess we'll head right into the next segment. Thank you so much for having me. Bye. And we are back. We got our next segment. Uh, this is a pretty interesting story. Uh, another cool, cool exhibition that I just wanted to show off. Uh we got a guest in the studio with, with us today. Can you please tell us a little bit about this story? Um, yeah. Hi, my name is Kimberly. I wrote the Porous Gallery's latest exhibition um, called The Discarded, and it basically talks about embracing the art of trash and recycling it and repurposing it. And Kimberly, how are you today? I'm doing so good today. How about yourself? Doing great. Uh, and yeah, I found this story really interesting. Um I guess first off, uh, you said it's about turning, simply it's about turning trash into art, right? Basically. So when you first walk into the gallery, you're just greeted by like abandoned shopping carts, trash bins, old stuffed animals, whatever you would normally recycle. And it's just like embraced as a new art form, which is so cool. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting. Um, what inspired you to write about this? 
So my post-punk art history professor actually was giving us a lesson about how we can basically upcycle discarded items and it basically kind of feeds into the meaning of punk by repurposing material materials you already have and the aspect of do-it-yourself and just creating art on your own terms um, no matter the price range no matter the cost of materials and as she mentioned the porous exhibit is having the discarded gallery and I was able to talk to two of the curators which was really really insightful and what was their reasoning I know you mentioned uh, creating art on your own terms uh, all that stuff what reason did they provide why why are they, uh, I mean, I guess why trash? Yeah, so um, they basically wanted the exhibit to highlight like abandoned materials found on the street in hopes of serving a new purpose for creators. It definitely has a sustainable aspect to it, but um, they really want to invite their visitors to think conceptually about trash in hopes of shedding light on just materials and everyday items that no longer serve the general public, but can be much used to artists in general. Yeah, I, I think... Uh... I really resonated with like a lot of the quotes that they had in this article. Um, I mean, they they I think they kind of list like multiple reasons why they use trash, but they all seemed very interesting. You know, like the whole idea of just looking at it in a different way, looking at it in a new light, um, looking at it as art, as a way of like giving it more meaning than something that you would just leave on the ground. If that makes sense, like if if you look at this trash is art, then maybe we shouldn't just be like leaving it everywhere, you know? Definitely. Um, I also think you can really repurpose anything into art and serve like a greater purpose to it. I know when I first walked into the gallery, my first impression was like very surprised that I found abandoned like shopping carts and traffic cones and rulers um, just displayed on the walls. And it was really surprising how they just made it see made the objects not have like frames or be on a pedestal so they can really seem like everyday objects but they serve like a higher purpose to the curators totally totally and uh another thing they mentioned was kind of bringing the artist's like responsibility into it as well like they mentioned like what happens with your art and what happens with your materials and all that when you're done with it and i think that's a really cool way of looking at it because I mean, anybody can make art about sustainability, about the climate, but I mean, they I, they kind of put the, the, the byproduct of that like forefront, you know, first and foremost, right? Definitely. Um, they, one of my biggest insights from the article was just like how it can be used as an exploration into ingenuity and just how using the environment around you without buying something new truly resonates with like your own artistic expression and the sustainable aspect. So it can definitely invite visitors to reevaluate their relationship with used materials and everyday items. Right, totally. And I guess you, you said, uh, you mentioned why you started writing it, but I guess what is, if you could say in like a blanket statement, what is so important about this exhibit, about the concept itself uh, that we cover it? It's thought-provoking in terms of how it disrupts a usual artistic space and what you expect going into a usual gallery room. There's no frames, there's no, there's no pedestals on anything, so you're really invited to embrace like the art and embrace the trash that they put together in the small room. Um, 
I think that it incorporates really important like environmental upcycling aspects that all artists should really convey and deconstruct on their own terms. Yeah, I agree completely. I think it I think it's really successful as art and as a statement, you know. Definitely. Which I guess you could say is the same thing. <laughs> but um that's about all I had. Is there anything else that you feel is important to add for this story or this topic? I do not. All right, cool. Uh Kimberly, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. And we are back, uh, kind of building off uh, Kimberly's uh, story about turning trash into art. Uh, we're going to tackle the, the sort of bigger picture issue of, um, you know, environmental destruction as a whole. And I've got the uh, author of this opinion piece uh, on Zoom today. Can you please introduce yourself? Yeah. Hey, John. Thanks for having me. My name is Elizabeth Reimitz, and I'm a staff reporter. And uh, Elizabeth, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right. Um, I'm just trying to deal with this weather and the times change still a little bit. Uh, it's making me tired, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll let the listeners know Elizabeth has a cat on her shoulder right now, and it's it's gone. Yes. But that... I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, the weather is only getting worse and I hate it, but, um, well, tell me about this opinion piece. I don't think this is, uh, I think this might be the first opinion piece I've had on this show. Uh, so I guess just tell me your opinion, please expand. Um, well, I'm honored. Thank you. Um, well, this opinion piece is about, um, COP27 or Conference of the Parties, um, it's also called the United Nations Climate Conference. And this happened, I think, a week before Thanksgiving break. Um, it was like November 6th through the 16th or something like that. Um, so it was about a week and a half. And um, so our world leaders met in Egypt this year um, to discuss basically um climate change and what they can do to address it. And so my opinion um, is that really this conference is just a big show. Um, and uh, I don't really think much was accomplished from this meeting or this conference. Um, and so I just wanted to bring attention to that. Uh, yeah, well, I'm gonna have to say I agree. Uh, I don't think anything's being done. And I think I mean, I, I agree that like a good, a very good portion of any summit is is pretty useless. Cat's back. <laughs> um, yes. uh, sorry. <laughs> uh, well, uh, I guess I wanted to ask, what inspired you to write this? Well, like some of my other pieces that I've written, um, you know, I am really passionate about bringing attention to climate change, and I know that it's getting more coverage now than it has been probably ever before, especially in the media. Um, but I think it needs to be talked about. Uh, I still think it needs to be talked about more. And I think that we're not talking about the right things necessarily. And so this opinion piece, I wanted to um, really bring attention to how the fossil fuel industry is really the main, um, one of the main causers, I guess, of climate change. Um, and I think it's not talked about because they're so integrated in our economy and even in our corporations, unfortunately. And so I think that's why um, 
you know, they're not really, no one is really trying to um, hold them accountable. Um, and it's really frustrating. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I think when you're, when your view of like a healthy economy is just continuous growth, any disruption, like getting rid of the fossil fuel industry is seen as terrible, you know? And I don't know. I think, I think a lot of these world leaders are really just stuck in their ways. And there, I mean, there's that whole argument of, um, I mean, they're not going to live to see, they're all old, you know, they're not going to live to see the, this Mad right. Max future that's certainly coming. Um, but I think, I think a lot of it is just, it's, it's scary for them to, uh, make any actual change because everybody has to grow on it at once, right? Not to make their case for them, but you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know if they're scared, but I think they're definitely greedy. Totally. And I think a lot of them have become, um, apathetic because, you know, like you said, a lot of them are just going to die and they don't have to deal with this problem. Um, and so I don't know. I think a lot of them are just blinded by their own needs and, um, you know, wanting more money. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, you mentioned the other stories you did this semester. Uh, can you please recap us on that a little bit? I know there was, well, yeah. What, which ones did you do? As in climate change uh, stories. Sure. So I covered a climate strike um, that was hosted by Fridays for Future. Sorry, my cat again. <laughs> uh, and I wrote an article on Columbia's sustainability initiative on campus. Um, and so that was about how SGA is, uh, they just created an environmental committee. And so they're going to try to do some sustainability movement on campus. Um, and the um, facilities department is also doing some work with that. So those two for sure. And then I talked about it a little bit when I interviewed um, Senator Darren Bailey when he was running for governor. Um, you know, I asked him if he was doing things to address climate change because I know many Republicans, unfortunately, don't acknowledge that it's a problem. And he yep. actually acknowledged it, which um was it was refreshing he did acknowledge yeah. it you said did, okay. yeah and he yeah he talked about he, how he's adopted some of his like farming techniques to um you know to the issue and i thought it was really interesting that's good to hear um yeah, yeah i think we covered just about all of those on the podcast this is um this is kind of like capping off the the elizabeth climate change saga <laughs> a little bit um <laughs> yeah let's see uh well, I guess uh, building off of that little Darren Bailey anecdote, uh, what can we do? You know, what should we do uh, as just normal people to uh, try and stop this in some way? I think the biggest thing is just to stay well informed, um, like with most things, and to um, use your voice and hold people accountable. Um, and I guess just be aware of. Um, you know, even I mean, I would say even Democrats are guilty of being blinded by greed or um, can be involved with fossil fuels, for example. So I would just yep. say don't be blinded by your own party and just to be well informed in general. Yeah, I'll, I'll echo that 100 um, percent. When it, when the issues are as big as this, uh, I think I think party doesn't come into account at all. I think I think a lot of I think I think a lot of people on both sides are are totally happy just seeing fossil fuels continue as for as long as they're alive. Um, right. And 
I mean, I think that's all I had. Uh, is there anything else that you feel is important to add for this story or this topic as a whole? I don't think so. Um, I guess if you haven't read my article, I would appreciate um, people checking it out, of course, and then any feedback they may have. Please check out Elizabeth's opinion on the opinion section on ColumbiaChronicle.com. And thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Wait, before you leave, what's your cat's name? Clementine. Thank you, Elizabeth and Clementine, yes. for coming on the Chronicle Headlines podcast. Uh, please listen to our News and Brief show. Uh, comes out same day as this one does. Listen to our full radio show on WCRX. And like I said, read the full articles on ColumbiaChronicle.com. Thank you so much for listening.